0: Coming up next on The Health Hustle.
1: Takes a team. What I mean by this is you will not get the best out of yourself if you don't hang around other people who, A, want the best from themselves or, B, want the best from you. So I follow a a three-step process in, it's like triple A's, like awareness, action, accountability. Most people are aware of what their problems are where they want to go in life, what they want. I would say most people know. Then there's another section of people that, like, they understand the actions they need to be taking. They're just like, eh, I'll wait for tomorrow. And then there's this third set of people who will invest time, money, and energy into holding themso- getting themselves held accountable. And that's where, like, most people fall off the cliff. So the best advice I would have, especially going into a new year, is spend the dollar on the accountability section of that. So if you're aware of your goals and what you want from your life and you know some of the actions that you need to be taken, you need to either spend money on a group of people, spend money on a coach... Invest in whatever you need to invest in to make sure that you're accountable to doing what you say because there's a whole bunch of talkers in the world and not a lot of doers. So if you really want to do something, the only difference is like I invest a lot of time, money and energy into almost forcing myself to show up because I
0: spent that dollar. Hey folks, and welcome to the Health Hustle of Austin, Texas. On this show, we uncover the big ideas from your fellow health and fitness entrepreneurs in the Austin, Texas area about how they built their business and the lessons they learned along the way. I'm your host, Corey Hibben, and on this episode, I had a chance to sit down with my boy, CJ Finley, on Thrive On Life. I've been living in Austin for over a year now and can genuinely say that CJ has become a good friend of mine. He's gritty, he's ambitious, and he's a hell of a competitor. And he's doing some pretty incredible things in the Austin community from leading Squatch community workouts, cruising around town with his mobile sauna business, planning health festivals, competing in high rocks, and producing his own podcast show as well called Thrive On Life. Definitely go check it out. It's an awesome show. I was actually on an episode of that show, and CJ is no stranger to getting behind a microphone. Definitely one of the most underrated shows out there, so definitely give it a shot. Some of the things that we get into in this episode are his grassroots days of entrepreneurship, learning sales at a young age, what he means when he says he's running from death, being intentional about getting around the right people, quitting corporate America, that was actually a really interesting story, finding the confidence to take risks and why that's so important, reframing failure, the future of CJ Finley and starting a family, his best business and marketing advice, and so much more. One last thing, if you're a health or fitness professional and you're having difficulties getting leads, I have a free seven step process that walks you through exactly how to convert your social media following to paying clients. You can find the link to it in the description of this episode without further ado, let's go. Charles Michael Finley Jr. Welcome to the show. How you doing, man? I am doing well. That's the first time I think anybody has ever said my full name. I hope that's not <laughs> the only thing that's the first time it's ever happened onto a show. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll find out, I guess. We're going to try to pull as many nuggets. And speaking of that, the first one I want to start with is so Pokemon. So I always start these shows with just like the grassroots of where somebody got into entrepreneurship Maybe not even realizing it at the time because I know for me it was a lemonade stand when I was, you know, like eight years old. And my parents would always have garage sales and they were selling all their stuff. And I would sit out front and sell 25 cent lemonade stands. And is there something about just like doing it as a child, how it's a game to you and it's fun for you. And it's just something you're exploring versus now and today when you grow up, it's like. I have to make money and I have to make it into a business and I have to grow this massive thing. But when you're a kid, it's a different mentality. So can we start with you in terms of Pokemon? Was a start for you? Yeah, as a kid,
1: you bring up a great point. Everything starts with play. Everything is about playing. And when I was really young, I had a ton of energy. And the first, I'd say, outlet of playing was sports. And when you enter sports, there is a clear winner and a loser. And right away... I loved to win. I wanted to win at everything I did. And when that became kind of like, I would say my being, my aura was, if I was going to do something, I was going to play to win. Pokemon came out when I was in grade school. And I mean, most people were gathering Pokemon cards just for fun and just for, oh, like, there's this new thing that came out. There's a TV show. I'm just going to have fun and and collect some cards. My take on it was I got this. I still remember I had this booklet that kind of looks like if you were to have like your wedding booklet of like photos from your wedding or high school yearbook. Yep. But it was for Pokemon cards. You slid the cards in. And I remember when I got this thing, the first thing in my mind was like, I'm going to fill this with so many holographic cards that like somebody's going to like want somebody else is going to want this from me uh, for whatever reason. And I realized right away that when I was younger, I had the gift of the gab and I had a lot of different friends and a lot of different areas of my life because I played, I was a four sport athlete and I liked clubs and, and being social as I do still. So to this day, when we were collecting the Pokemon cards, I realized that not everybody was as well-versed on what was valuable to the entire market. And the market back then is just like kids in your grade. So I kind of, because I was friends with a lot of different people, I started realizing like I could trade certain cards and people were willing to give me certain cards that were more valuable than the lower value card that I was going to exchange for them. So my entrepreneurial journey really started with like bartering and understanding how to exchange things of value and really understanding what was more valuable to the entire market. Because at the end of the day, I didn't really give a shit about the Pokemon cards. Mm. I was after winning, quote unquote. And this stemmed over also into this thing called Crazy Bones, if anybody on here remembers that. Uh, that was a little fad for a while. And I would go to these like, events on like, a Friday night at a bookstore and we'd be like, trading these Crazy Bones. But before, I would do research on like which ones were valuable and why and, and what they meant. And again, I didn't really care about them I just wanted to collect the most valuable ones and then exchange them somehow so that was my first real go at understanding I think the true aura of entrepreneurship and to this day like the people like Gary Vee are still going to garage sales and different things and when you think entrepreneurship you don't have to think Apple or like These really big companies that started from a garage, you can really just think of like you go to your local farmer's market and that's entrepreneurship and people are exchanging and bartering and we've been doing this for hundreds of thousands of years as human beings solving problems for each other and kids are really great at that. I I feel like they're almost more great than adults because they don't have the attachment to things and they don't let their egos get in the way necessarily. They're just playing and I think that's the best way I can describe how I started sifting through the world of entrepreneurship without even really recognizing it when I was younger.
0: And I think we also forget that money is only one form of exchange of value. There's a lot of ways to negotiate and barter and you exchange value through skills or trading services or equity deals or whatever the case might be. And I'd be curious as to... As a child negotiating and bartering, and I'm glad you brought up the farmer's market. That's actually my favorite reason to go to the farmer's market because it's the only quote-unquote grocery store that you can actually negotiate and you can barter with people. And I love that. It's super fun for me. I don't even care if they say no. I just enjoy the game of like having those conversations. Play. 100%. Play. But I'd be curious as to, as a child, already starting to learn your influence and negotiation skills, do you remember or do you even have any inkling as to what you were figuring out at the time or what you were learning at the time or where even that came from? Because that seems like a very unique thing as a child to already start trying to negotiate with people. I feel
1: like this is a great question you could ask my mother. I wish (laughs) she was here to answer this for you. I just say from a very young age, I just had a knack for understanding what it is that I want and what I was willing to do to get it. So I don't know necessarily where that came from other than my dad was an, is an engineering type of person. Like he just like likes to build things and solve things. And from a very young age, I can still remember like going under his car and, and at first like he's dismissive of, I have a two year old, like why is he trying to come under the car? But I think my mom kind of coerced him into like, Hey, like give him a chance. Like he's going to mold into whoever you help him mold into. And from a very young age, I just liked solving problems and I saw that. And at the end of the day, that's what entrepreneurship is, is you're solving problems. Now the negotiation side of that really, I think just comes from as kids, we learn to negotiate with our parents to start with. We want candy or ice cream. What do we got to negotiate? Okay. You need to eat your vegetables to then have the candy or the ice cream so we don't even recognize these skills that we are picking up over the years that everyone has and i think if we're talking negotiation it's really selling and most people have that icky feeling of like i would suck at sales but you're selling yourself every day every email you write every text you write you're literally selling who you are and whether you want to believe it or not, trying to get people to adapt to the way you want the world to adapt to you. That's the reality of being a human being.
0: I think when most people hear the word sales, I know for me, do you remember the movie Matilda? Yes. The used car salesman? Yes. That's the impression I think most people get, but they also forget exactly to your point that every conversation, even somebody listening to this podcast show right now, I'm essentially trying to convince you to continue to listen to my podcast show. I'm selling you on please continue to tune in and write me a review and do all these other amazing things that I want you to do. Everything we do is sales in some way, shape or form. Did you carry that with you then onto some of the service stuff that you did from mowing lawns to shoveling driveways to being a babysitter? Or like, how did that show up in that world? Yeah, I think where the real crossover is getting people to
1: pay you for something. That's where you learn that Negotiation takes a whole new meaning when what you think something should be valued versus what somebody else thinks should be valued is different. And you have to learn to understand what that person values. And that's where like shoveling snow is an easy one because somebody that is, let's say 50, 60 years old who doesn't want to put their winter coat on and their winter pants on and go out and shovel snow. Well, they need their driveway shoveled so they can get in their car and they can drive somewhere. Well, then I'm a kid. I like being in the snow. I like being outside. This is, I have school off. This is great. And now you're telling me that I could potentially make a dollar doing that? So at that point, you have the leverage of negotiation. Now, try selling water in the, in a frozen tundra, it might be a little bit harder than selling water in a desert. And as a kid, you don't necessarily understand those principles until you start kind of like weaving out of that. And that's where I think one of the things that I learned when I was younger, a, a good example is this, is like babysitting. That's not a tangible like value like the value for the shoveling the snow, people could be like, oh, 20 bucks, oh, 30 bucks, whatever. But when you're talking about like babysitting, it's like, well, what are you doing with the kids? Like, are you tutoring them on top of just watching them? Are you taking them somewhere? So the exchange is a little bit different and a little bit tougher to negotiate. And that's really where I started learning, okay, what could I do to add even more value and it's exactly what I started doing. I went from like shoveling to then like babysitting, and then learning like okay, one of the kids needed help with homework. Well, I'm four years older, I can help. But I want this on top of what I'm already getting. So learning really about leverage—that was what I started understanding from a, a young, I would say, younger age than most. But at the end of the day, that person was happy because I was solving a problem for them. So the STEM was always, I could solve this problem for somebody. Now I have a little bit of leverage. Here's what I want in exchange for that. And most people don't understand that's, again, if we could go back hundreds of thousands of years, that's just how humans have evolved. And if you're listening to this, you can do this in all different types of areas of life. Like we just had Christmas, right? It's like who flies to who when, who's traveling
0: where, who's hosting the dinners, like all that's sales and leverage. We just don't view it that way. You seem to have this tenacious hustle about you, which is one of the main reasons I actually wanted to talk to you on this show from selling Pokemon cards to the bones to uh, doing the service businesses. You're obviously very competitive. You obviously are an athlete in many meanings of the word. Do you have any idea as to, like, what motivates you and what drives you? Like, what is it about you that just keeps you so tenacious? Like, are you running towards something? Are you running away from something? Like, where does that come from? Death.
1: Mm. I've been sick my whole life. So I know what it's like to feel, like, the worst. And knowing at any given moment this could be it. So it's like this ticking time bomb in my head of I haven't done what I've wanted to do here on Earth while I've had the chance. I mean, in its simplest form, I didn't know that when I was younger. I, th- I just thought it what I felt like was normal, and it just put this drive in me. I also think I had a negative and toxic trait about me when I was younger because I was raised in the 90s. And, like, with sports, it was very much the better I did, the more, like, spotlight I got. And that was a drug, it was a draw I scored goals I did good i got good grades and I got attention and I got what I wanted so going back to the leverage if I did well on the soccer field or well on the hockey court, I played roller hockey and and soccer and baseball and basketball, if I did well at all of those, and I was also the guy that went up went to school and got good grades, I got things that I wanted so I knew what the leverage was so I put everything I had into that which i mean we could sit here we get a whole whole podcast convo and like whether that is healthy or not i feel like there are it's lacking in today's day and age the whole everybody gets a trophy is fucking bullshit um (laughs) it doesn't teach the right principles and most of my life i lost like i was a smaller kid i got beat up i got picked on and it didn't like it made me tougher it didn't When I look back, I don't regret any of the shortcomings, the the losing. And that's where that's helped me in life, business, relationships. But I guess like the, the question I have is when you say what motivates me, today it's really I want to know what it's like to just go after what my greatest potential is and that looks a lot differently than i would have answered a long time ago hmm. because my i have a beautiful wife we are expecting a child there's things that like my i spent time with my parents recently that in my head i'm i'm thinking okay how can i spend more time with them like my greatest potential isn't building massive companies and making billions of dollars. And I think with social media, too many people get trapped into this competitiveness of, I got to be the hybrid athlete. I have to build a billion dollar business. I have to do all these great things. But what I really strive to be great at is the things that nobody even sees. Mm. And I think that's what separates me from, I would say most other males out there is I'm ruthlessly hard on myself. When it comes to how I show up for my wife, how I will show up for my child, how I show up for my friends and my family. And to end, one of the things that I've used to decipher this is like there's a difference between being nice and being kind. Nice is what I dealt with in the East Coast. Like I'm going to be nice to you, face value. I'm going to smile and be like, hey, how are you? But then behind closed doors, I'm going to talk shit about you. That's not how I show up. I will literally tell you what I think, when I think it, why I think it, right to your face, because I want you to reach your greatest potential. And that might hurt. But the difference is if you rebuttal and you come back at me, I don't hold anything against you. I like, I'm like, that's how competitive I am. Is like, I want everyone around me doing the best that they can at all times. And I've burned bridges because of that. But I'm okay with that. Because that's just who I am. I want everybody to live the life to their fullest because we could die at any fucking moment. And not enough people realize that. Every day they're driving to their job 30 minutes. If you're driving to a job and you have a commute and you're not willing to die for that job, don't fucking have that job. <laughs> it's that simple. Like life is simple, it's not easy. And that motivation is that's what is at that core of that of that motivation is i want to be the best i want everyone around me to be the best and the best doesn't look like billions of dollars and fame and all that stuff it means in the little fucking moments when nobody is watching you what are you doing how does your how does your wife or your husband feel about you how does your kid feel about you if you don't know that's the start ask them straight up
0: i'd be curious as to uh, thank you for sharing that i think that's really insightful for a lot of people that i feel like get stuck in that trap of they are just kind of like going through the motions and they aren't really living for something bigger or something of even like what you were saying of death. Like that's a a really important thing that honestly being totally honest and open is like that's something I'm more recently trying to just like become comfortable with is understanding of exactly to your point that there could be no tomorrow. I was recently told that, uh, do you listen to Sam Harris at all? No. He was, uh, he's a big philosophy guy as well. He's a neuroscientist. Anyways, he was talking about how like what if you lived every day in the assumption that this could be the last moment in every moment, right? Like this could be our last time having this conversation ever. That could be the last time that I rode an e-bike ever. This could be the last time that I'm enjoying a cup of coffee ever, right? Like what if you just lived every moment with that in mind? And so I'd be curious as to one is I'm excited to see how having a child changes you in so many ways. just like your perspective of the world and what you value and what you want to do and where you go with your life because I know that's a big thing for a lot of people is having kids and how that changes you so be curious to see what happens there and the other thing too is like I just want to double tap on that idea of it sounds like you just have fear of regret of not leaving everything on the table and I've heard you say this on other shows as well about how you're very intentional about surrounding yourself with people that are smarter or more athletic than you and Has that gotten you in trouble ever? Is like, does that does that ever burn bridges for you? Does that ever like show up in a negative way? Because I love it. I agree. I think I'm I'm also trying to do that as somebody who just signed up to do a marathon (laughs) and has never ran a day in his life. I don't really like the word trouble because it's man made. Like,
1: trouble to one person is thriving to somebody else. Mm. So, I would say it has caused conflict in my life at certain times solely because it leads me astray of who I really am and who I really want to be. I wouldn't say that recently that's the case, but when I first got into entrepreneurship, I wasn't really dialed into the types of people that I truly wanted to be around. Like I want to be around, like these days, I look for men that have Children or aspire to be good fathers, they have a great relationship or aspire to have a great relationship, and they are okay with looking at themselves and saying, I'm very flawed, and that's okay. Here's what I'm working on. So it kind of dialed back from, it used to be, I'm only going to, I want to be the best athlete, so I'm going to hang around great athletes, but you can't just be a great athlete anymore for me to hang around you. That's kind of where it got me into trouble because I'd hang around somebody who's a great athlete, but then we would go to a bar and like they didn't have the moral principles that I wanted to stand mm. for. And then I would find myself trapped in, okay, they bought a round of shots, now I'm doing shots. That isn't what I stand for deep down. And I started, I started, I think the biggest flaw that we all have is we know we're doing something that is causing us trouble, quote unquote, but we still do it anyway. And I did that for, for a decade I would say I knew deep down there's certain things I shouldn't have been doing shouldn't as if like there's rules right there is none but in my head it was carving at me that I needed to show up in my authentic self and I wasn't doing that now it was because I was going astray because I thought like to be the best athlete here's the people I got to hang out with to be the best intellect here's who I got to hang out with
0: I want to circle back to what you're talking about Earlier about like how people often get stuck going to a job that they don't love, and I think there's probably a lot that people could learn from your story personally about being an engineer, working in corporate America, and just to like follow that journey for people a little bit. Obviously, you're doing the hustle as a kid. You were doing some service type stuff as you kind of got into your more older teenagers. You ended up going to school to be an engineer, correct? And then eventually found yourself in the corporate world. Can you maybe share that as to, like, when you started to figure out, like, that wasn't for you? You probably, if I had to guess, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you're probably feeling super unfulfilled with the way that your life was living at that point. How could maybe people learn, like, how were you able to make that transition and, like, what happened ultimately? So I always
1: knew. That's the thing. Like, if we really sit with ourselves and think back, we can remember times where we knew. And where I knew was I couldn't sit still in a fucking classroom. So why could, why did I think I could sit still at a job? Like for for how many we go to school, let's say if you go to college like it's 21 22 years of your life. For that many years I struggled to skip. I mean, I struggled to sit down. And by the time I was able to make choices, I was skipping as many classes as possible. Not because I didn't want to learn the material, but I didn't want to learn it in the way that they were teaching it. I didn't want to just sit there. I could be outside and read a book while I was walking around the track. Why did I have to be like, that's how my mentality always was. And not until like 17, 18 years old, where I could literally sign myself out of class, did I really learn more about myself. And I, I also going back to the leverage, like I knew that if I got good grades, teachers were going to go easier on me. They would let me literally leave their class. I'd be like, I have an A in your class. Can I just go to, can I go hang out with the gym teacher and gym class? And they, they saw it as like, it's better him go there than make trouble in my classroom. So I would go ha- hang out there. I would hang out in home ec. I would hang out, and we had these things called SRE, which was like study hall, and we would play chess. So these are the things where I started spending a lot of time doing this rather than even like – I couldn't tell you the amount of work I actually did in school. It, it was non-existent, like work, quote, unquote. It was always just gaming the system and t- trying to play. Unfortunately, like when I got the senior year, people – and this happens to everybody. If you go to general public school, like, you go to the guidance counselor, like, here's what your test scores are, here's where you do well, and here's where you struggle. So I did well in math and science. I was told I was bad at English. Subjective thing. But it's so funny now that, like, I've written blogs that I've gotten re reshared. I, like, have been in magazines, like, for my writing, right? But this is the problem with public school. Like, oh, I don't fit their mold of what writing is, so you get a bad grade. You're not strong at this, so you should go be an engineer. Your dad's an engineer follow this path. When the reality was, I was a natural athlete, natural gift of gab, natural entrepreneur, and nobody saw it. No one spoke of it. So when I got into school, what that kind of created was like, it went from like bartering and, and using leverage to like go to different classes and whatever to just straight up not going to class at all. And... I look back on that and I'm, I, I don't never regret anything, but I'm so frustrated with myself because I should have said something. I, 50% of the time I would say I wasn't there. If I could have chosen what my time was invested in, I could have learned so much more, met so many more people, been involved in so much more. But I think I needed that problem because once I got into the corporate world, it was so bad that I got offer at a, gra- a graduate training program. It's called GTP program at UBS wealth management. It's a prestigious program that like you get paid very well and they treat you very well and you get access to executives and they flew us to Switzerland for six weeks. And I had this view of Interlaken. We were in tune Switzerland and you have this view of the lake and the Alps and, I remember sitting in this boardroom, and you could see outside, and you could see the beauty. And I'm sitting there thinking, "Why the fuck am I in this room? Whoa, like, why am I here? Why are any of us here?" I'm like looking around. I'm like, everyone's like, "Yeah, we're doing this. We're working on this project. We're building this app, whatever." And I'm just like, out there, that is life. In here, I'm literally just a caged animal. Mm. What am I doing? And I'm not knocking on anybody that. If you enjoy that, if you enjoy the safety and that's what you, that, that's fulfilling to you. I think the key word is fulfilling. What's fulfilling to one isn't fulfilling to everybody. Totally. I was not fulfilled and I knew right then and there, I was like, I'm never going to make it in the corporate world. If I can't, like I am in the best environment possible, like the most beautiful, picturesque environment. There was a bowling alley in our hotel. <laughs> we had free food. Morning, noon, and night, I on the weekend I was riding my bike 30 the bikes that they had at the hotel, 30 miles around the most beautiful place, spectacular place I've ever been. If you've never been to Switzerland, go there. like the ops are just unreal I, c- I can't believe like that's on earth. and I still knew damn I'm gonna quit this job. I'm gonna be the first to quit this job in this program and like seven months later I was the first person. I had to wait long enough where I didn't have to pay back
0: my bonus. And then I just quit. What is it about entrepreneurs that we're just like, I feel like we all have this chip on our shoulder, this inkling, this itch, this need to put like a dent in the universe. I don't, I don't know. I, cause I would say almost every single person I've ever had this on this show has a moment similar to yours, not your exact story, but they have that moment where they're in a system they realize they don't fit the system, the mold, the societal norm of what 99.9% of society lives within, and they just need to put their own dent in the world. I had the same story. I was in a very comfortable corporate position. All the bells and whistles and things were great, and I, whatever, it was fine. But I was miserable deep down inside. And it's so interesting that so many people that I talk to are in that same place. I mean, I just, I'm just spitballing here because like I've never really dug too deep into this conversation
1: i think confidence is the thing that separates those that jump and those that don't and confidence is not something that you gain from reading or listening confidence is by taking your own risks and like having those risks pay off or not pay off and going back to my own story i went to college at rutgers university i first went to the satellite campus in Camden, New Jersey, to play soccer. And I didn't know how I was going to pay for college because I didn't want to ask my dad for money because then he would have leverage on me. This is how ingrained the shit was on me. How, like, I I didn't... I Going back, I can look at it and paint that picture. But I hated being told what to do. So I didn't want him paying for my college and then one day being like, well, I helped you out here, so this is what you got to do now. Fuck that. Mm. So... Up until then, like, I couldn't play sports unless I paid my tuition. So I remember vividly getting emails of, like, unless you, like, you won't be able to play your first week, two weeks, three weeks of school unless you pay your tuition. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, what the fuck do I do? So I went into the bursar's office every day, every single day, and I said, is there any grants, is there any scholarships? What can I do to find some money? Every single day, like, that person knew me (laughs) by heart now like there's this kid coming in to heckle me and I was commuting as well so I was driving 40 minutes to and from school I would wake up at like six in the morning get there uh we had 8 a.m practice I'd practice we'd go to class I would study after six seven eight p.m. sometimes we would have two practices a day three practices a day in between all this And then I would drive home. I'd get home at 10. I'd uh, eat some food, cook my stuff for the next day, get ready to repeat that. And one day I came home, and I remember being in in my childhood bedroom and getting an email saying that my tuition was paid. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, who paid my tuition? Like, in full. And the Geltman family, who has I don't know even know, know how many people that they've done this for but they gave me a full academic scholarship and they do so for certain counties in New Jersey for kids that come out of those counties so like scholar athlete types of of individuals and I, I don't I've never told this on a podcast I've never said this really to anybody my wife knows about it but one of the driving factors for me having like when I give to ut and have spent time at ut and created internship programs there and shout out to hamza jake and ashani they're all doing amazing things in this world and giving back in that way is somebody started that for me like i don't know what i would have done looking back if that email never came but it came most people want to say luck it came because i fucking spent hours and hours and hours of my own time doing it myself to go in there, have uncomfortable conversations and just believe. And I'll be the first to say that like you make, you create your own luck. And what that stemmed from is just like that confidence that I talked about where I knew at that moment, like think, like put yourself in my shoes. I, I played soccer my whole life and I was about to play my first collegiate season I got into the engineering program. I'm in my first year of college. I'm commuting. The amount of like what if in my life was maximized. Like I I didn't know who I was, why I was this. I just knew that I wasn't going to let this system get the better of me and I was going to do whatever it took. And once that happened, there was just this spiral of like if I wanted a job, I was going to get it if I wanted to get to this party, if I wanted to talk to this girl, if I wanted to learn something, I would do whatever it took to make that happen. I would lose sleep. I would, yeah, I would I would just go all out. And that built this confidence to what allowed me to quit the job is another risk where I was working in Nashville, Tennessee. My wife, then girlfriend, was living in Houston we were obviously flying to each other and I'm sitting there thinking I'm paying double rent pretty much meaning like she's paying rent. I'm paying rent. Like this makes no sense. I could literally quit my job and we'd be saving money if we like live together, can always get a new job. So when my lease was up in Nashville, didn't tell my job, I just moved to Houston. And then I told my boss like, Hey, I'm going to work remote. And this is when I'm in this GTP program (laughs) not allowed to do this at all. And they were like, we wish we would have told to, you. We wish you would have told us this prior, but I was listening to Tim Ferriss at the time and reading his book for our work week. And he says, do and ask for forgiveness. Cause mm-hmm. if you ask in the beginning, they can say no. So I did that. And then once that confidence hit, pff, there was no stopping me after that. Like I was just like, this world is what we make of it. I'm going to do what I want within reason, right? I'm going to be a good person. And I'm going to have morals. I'm going to show up for people I'm going to give without expectation, but I'm not going to let anybody or anything walk over me and tell me who I should be, why I should be it, or where I'm going with my life anymore. Not going to happen.
0: Dude, I literally have goosebumps. I don't know if anybody can see that about that story that you just told is unbelievable of the tenacity and the, the number one skill I've always said, and if anyone's ever listened to the show, they've heard me say this number one uh, many times is that the number one skill of every entrepreneur I've ever met resourcefulness is the ability to just figure shit out and to put yourself out there and to know like yeah regardless of what's going to happen i'm just going to figure it out and the book that honestly fundamentally changed me and taught me this exact principle that you're talking about of like the degree of confidence because i think there is there's a there's a snowball effect to that of like you put yourself into those situations enough times that now you can look back at the history of all the times you've been in dire situations and have just figured it out due to your confidence and resourcefulness the book that fundamentally changed me man was honestly it's called choose yourself by james altucher it's a great book i don't necessarily think anyone needs to read it read it the title pretty much just tells you exactly everything you need to know but that was the book that really changed my mindset around everything is that the second i find myself needing permission from somebody else to do what I want to do, regardless of whatever it is, right? You're talking about relationships or business or athletic endeavors. The second I'm asking somebody else for the permission to do it, I'm making a mistake, right? I'm taking away from the opportunity for myself to realize like, no, you can do this. Like you can figure this out. So I just love that story, man. Like I think so many people can resonate with that of like needing to put themselves into risky situations. And I don't say risky of like you're going to get injured or something horrible is going to happen to you, but just risky in the sense of like your ego. The biggest risk is not knowing the outcome. Totally. That's what we like. You
1: just don't know what's going to happen, but that's where the confidence, like if you get good at not knowing the outcome and being okay with that, we come into this world with nothing. We leave this world with nothing. Something I say to myself all the time, everything that I own, I don't own. The only thing I own is my thoughts. Because you don't know, like even now, like we're talking, but you don't know what other thoughts I'm having in my head. That's the only thing that I truly own and the amount of heartbeats that I have. Mm. But even then, I don't control those, but I own them. Like y- y- the amount of heartbeats you have is different than the amount I have left, right? But it's it's me. Like nobody can control that unless, I mean, they want to do something bad to me. But it's it's one of those things that I've really ref- reflected on is like how do I not care about the outcome and and only care about the process? And it's said so... We beat a dead horse with it in entrepreneurship. You talk totally. about that, but most people don't think about it on the ground level. Like you go to, you, you are born into this earth with nothing and then you leave with nothing. What are you going to do in between?
0: I have a question for you that I don't think I've ever asked anybody on this show, but I think you'd be the perfect person to ask this. And I've kind of just started contemplating on, on the idea now of that, now that I've had enough of those experiences where I've been put in situations where like, I didn't think I should win or I didn't think I should succeed or whatever it is. And, I've kind of started to build up more confidence in the things in my capabilities is that now I'm in this weird spot where when things are just really going really well now, now all of a sudden I feel weird about it. I feel almost like uncomfortable. It's like, why is everything going so well? I'm almost like hoping or like waiting for the next thing to show up or I'm trying to put myself in a situation for like the next thing to show up. I'd just be curious as to like, have you found yourself in that situation as well as where it's like, hmm. Maybe I'm not challenging myself hard enough. The fear of mastery, it's, it's
1: real. I Me and you Noah know, we were just talking about this in our last podcast. Of so Anytime I get 90% good, I, I fail to get to a 100% great, or I'm an expert, I get bored. Mm. What I would tell you is you're just learning that there's levels to this world of entrepreneurship, and you don't have to, and this goes into knowing yourself. I'm a startup guy. I'm not a guy that's going to build companies and manage them. I'm a guy that's going to help people build companies and then hire a management team. Because I'm get, I'm going to get too bored. I'm not the right guy to come in and just run the day-to-day for 5, 10, 20 years. I'll get, I'll get bored after six months. But if you have an idea and you want to get the idea to the point where it has a foundation to get the team to get the marketing down so that you attract the right people and you get your initial customers, I would put myself hands down against anybody on this planet because of the tenacity. That's what you need. You need grit. Grit came to mind when you were saying that word. It's one of my core values that Thrive on Life. I've been gritty my whole life. I've had like, And I think it comes back to just like what the world throws at you. I was a diminutive little kid. I wasn't even 100 pounds going to high school. I had to fight for everything I had. We weren't rich. We weren't wealthy. I had to fight for everything. But what, what that taught me, one, was that it's fucking fun. <laughs> you get bored when you're not in fight mode. Like, why do pro athletes, it, it, they struggle when they leave? Because they, they were this person that woke up and fought every day. And it, wasn't, it was never about the other team. For 99% of those people, it's never about fighting the other team. It's about fighting themselves every day to get better and better and better. And then when you lose the constraints, you struggle. So I'd say for you, if I were to analyze it, it's you're the type of person that needs to realize you're better off building 10 things to good enough and then transferring that than you are the person that's going to take one thing to the glory, to the promised land. And once you're okay with that, you're going to thrive even more. That's what ha- like once I was okay with that because that was a real struggle for me, I would, I would say because most people, it's like, Oh, you can't build one thing. Why are you, how are you going to build five? Mm. How are you going to have a podcast and a YouTube and a business and do this and be an athlete? I don't know. That's just who I am. Like <laughs> that's my response. Yeah. But in their head, they're more comfortable with, I'd like to just show up and, and do this one thing with mastery every single day. Now I'm not saying don't master things like I, some of the things I realized that I like to master have nothing to do with business. That's, it's more fulfilling to me to master something that doesn't have a monetary value to it.
0: I think the word that comes to mind for me is just the game of it kind of to our, literally our original conversation of just like play in the game of like understanding of like you having all those endeavors for you. It's you enjoy the game of it. You enjoy the hustle and the grind of building these things to something that's sustainable and just like seeing that come to the real world, right? Like you don't need to be the one managing all the back end stuff, everything that happens after it. You just like creating, manifesting things into the world. I mean, that's a that's an
1: amazing point. The only difference I see between us and animals is that we can think of an idea. We can create it and bring it to reality. That, that's what being a human is. And how many people go to their grave not executing that one difference of like the difference between being a, a monkey and an actual human is I can have an idea, I can draw it, I can build it, I can communicate it, and I can bring it to reality. There's nothing more special than that to me. A podcast, right? That's why I love podcasts is because half of the stuff we talk about, we can then go decide... Do we want that to be our become our reality? We can go do it, mm. and I think the game for me is transition into because this is what confidence also does, and I would say it relates to what you were just saying. Is I'm not I'm no longer striving for things that I know I can do. So you were talking about how you signed up for the marathon. I want to do things that I think I could fail at because one, that's more fun, again, and two, it creates a great story.
0: The story, baby i've been so harping on this idea lately of like having more experiences and living just a better story of like i have now so far disconnected from the word of failure you said it and i loved how casual you said it as if it is like the most normal thing and part of life that it's because you've obviously done the work you've obviously had enough quote-unquote failures which everybody loves to have like a negative stigmatization around it but like I couldn't be more, like, happy and closely tied to the idea of failure. I was literally, you might have saw it, I literally posted about this the other day about, I was going through, I reached out to my old high school to get my my transcript of, like, what I graduated high school with, because I literally, dude, I barely graduated high school. My mom was telling me. I remember,
1: me, I saw the post with your mom, like, your mom was like, I don't know. Yeah, she was <laughs> like, it was bad.
0: And uh, she, she actually told me the other day, she literally signed me up for classes that, that were the easiest classes she could find in hopes that I would just graduate high school, and I was going through my own transcript, and there Were all sorts of F's across the board, right? Like, failed multiple classes. Like, one of them was like, I think history, and I don't know what the other ones were. Algebra, I think was another one. Um, but I like failed a bunch of classes. And at that time, though, had you had talked to me as a high schooler, middle schooler, whatever, I would have felt horrible about that, right? I would have been super low confidence, like no belief in myself, and thought it was the worst thing ever. Fast forward that to now, today, being in my 30s and like now that word has changed all meaning to me right and it's just interesting how like now like we were just originally talking about from this conversation of how like failure now is almost something i push towards because if i'm not experiencing it now one the story's not as fun but two it's like i know that there's more that i could be doing
1: i'm always a solutions oriented guy so i never like to complain without providing a solution and the solution in my mind is communicating what failure actually is. So you mentioned school. Like, teachers fail us every single day. But the principal's failing them. And the superintendent's failing that person. It's just a ripple effect. Like, I look back at school and I'm like, how could I expect a teacher to manage 30 kids in our fucking classroom? Mm. Like, I tried to tutor one kid and it was hard. (laughs) Imagine 30. So, like, they're failing us. But they're getting failed. Like, But no one looks at it like that. Unfortunately, as a kid, you feel all this pressure to succeed when your dad's failing to show up for you as a father, your mom's failing to show up for you as a mother, they're failing each other in their relationship. I'm failing to live up to my potential that they see and expect of me. We're all failing all day, every day. And me now, I fail every single day. I raise my voice to my wife when I shouldn't, I don't do the things I know I should do in my head for my business for my fitness, every single day. I fail every day. I own that, though, and most people don't. They don't sit there and reflect and say, where am I failing? But that's because they don't want to be okay with failure. We want to walk around and act like it. it, But again, they were failed to believe that. They were put in a system where it's a clear black and white is F.A. But life isn't F.A. Life is... Way more nuanced than that, and we don't ever discuss it in our culture being raised. We discuss it here on podcast, so hopefully people listening to it will then share it with somebody else. But in your family, that's what I'm trying to do now. I literally was having a conversation with my parents and speaking with my dad and helping him understand what anxiety actually is because they never talked about it. They felt it, but no one was like, yeah, I have, I have really bad anxiety around this, this thing, this fear of X. They just viewed it as whatever they viewed it as. And that right there was a huge thread for me to go down and realize like, wow, like, okay. Then where have I failed to show up as a son to be compassionate towards mm. that view rather than pointing the finger? Because again, the system tells us to point the finger. Because we don't want to be the one that's viewed as the one that's failing. Totally. But if I'm looking at le- the life as I want to reach my greatest potential, I have to always just look in the mirror and be like, "Where am I failing?" So that I reach my greatest. It's not about anybody else. And the way that I do that is reflecting on where the going back to the very beginning of this podcast where I said I focus on the little things that I do every day. That's where I fail the most. Business, business fails. Who cares? Like you don't hit your fitness goals this year. Who cares? But for me, it's always been, okay, why did I get in that argument with Aaron? Mm-hmm. What did I do that led to that failure? Because it doesn't just happen. <laughs> like You don't just come home and you're arguing. Right. It's like, no, you failed at something. And I'm okay with articulating that and, and saying that in the public where it's like most people are putting their, their flash out there and like everything's fucking perfect. It's not. Right. It's facade. Never will be. It's always a progression.
0: So what's the future of uh, CMFJ. I'm going to use all of your <laughs> initials. Like, Where do you see things going with Thrive on Life and just everything in your world? Like, what's the, what's the future look like for you? The beauty is I never thought that I would be sitting here right now.
1: So the most authentic answer is I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> never thought I'd be in Austin, Texas. I'd never thought I'd have a podcast of my own. I never thought I would love being on other people's podcasts. There's so many things I I could not have foreseen. Now, we do get more data as we get older and we get wiser, so we could start controlling our destiny a little bit more. I would say the only thing I care about owning in my future is providing an environment for myself, my wife, and my children to reach our greatest potential. And that'll look differently every year. So, like, right now I'm reading outdoors in an indoor world. And it's about a family who it's a husband and a wife and how they have three children and they purposefully get them in nature to teach them about the world and the impact of being in nature. And I'm reading this prior to having one child, let alone multiple children, because I'm now trying to manifest my future and make it happen rather I used to just kind of meander a little bit make decisions as they were flying at me now I try to foresee things decades in advance and I want that for my children I think that life has become too much screen time too much he said she said let's follow the joneses let's follow whatever everybody else is doing and I'll, I'll be the biggest person to say like, cause I have all the social media accounts. I post a lot. You could take my phone away from me tomorrow and I'd be fine. Would it cause me to have to find other ways to, to get my word out there and get my business out there? Yes, but I'd be fine with it. And I never let things like that inhibit me from building the life that I want. And I don't want that to happen to my children. So when I think about my future, a lot of it is, less of what are CJ's goals and more of what are our goals and Mm. what does that look like? That's really what I've been thinking a lot about lately. And it, it shows up in the books I'm reading and the YouTube videos I'm watching. It just, I kind of transition my life into, okay, if it's our goals, what does that look like? And what does my daily life look like? And if I can live a life where I find fulfillment every single day and that fulfillment is going to be heavily tied to their fulfillment
0: then I win.
1: I win. That's all that
0: matters. You've, uh, as they say, shifted from me to we. I was in a very long relationship at one point. I think it was like seven years, and I was in that mentality at one point. Now I'm back to me, but <laughs> but I think that's a great place it's, to be, man.
1: It is. I, I, I like it a lot. It's helped me focus. Somebody that's like all over the place, the moment I found out Aaron was pregnant, it was it was almost like I was more calm because mm. I now know the direction. It's always been we with my relationship, but the difference is like Erin can take care of herself. Like a baby can't like that. They're reliant on you. Your child is reliant on you. Um, So it's a little bit different of a feeling of, okay, you mentioned running a marathon. Like one of my goals is to like run an ultra and it was to do it in 2023. And that was like one of my goals, like before we figured out we were having a child. So I was like, I can't put this expectation on me to run an ultra when like my, my real expectation should be, how do i be the best father to an infant like switching that and being okay with that and that's i would say one of the toughest things that is that's hard for me to do because of the tenacity it's just like i can do it all at all times when the reality is just like got 24 hours in a day, <laughs> in a day let's switch let's switch the goals around and use your tenacity in the right in the right frame of mind
0: yeah i would say that's the biggest challenge and that's a whole another conversation honestly is any entrepreneur is to Recognize that you can do anything, but you can't do it all at once. Love that quote. And it always makes me think of like the Warren Buffett's like, write out like your 20 or 25 goals and then like basically cross out everything that's not in your top five and never even look at it ever again and just focus on these. And it's just a matter of keeping the first things first. I love this point. Someone reached out to me
1: because I think one of the reasons they wanted my opinion is they do see I do a lot. And She was talking about how she's good at a lot and she's had a lot of success and achievements, but she still feels like something is lacking. And I said, I noticed that you use the word good and like. What do you love? Hmm. What you start realizing in life is you have to forego what you like for the things that you love. (laughs) And be okay with that. And one of the things for me, it's a direct example. I played soccer for 26 years and eventually I woke up one day and I looked myself in the mirror and I said, I don't watch soccer. I don't talk about soccer. I'm not friends with people really that are soccer heads. Why am I still doing this? I don't love it like I love these other things. I don't love it like I love podcasting. I don't love it like I love fitness and events and fitness. Okay. I'm never going to do it again. If my child wants to play soccer, maybe I get integrated into it again. But like, there's no point. I, mean, I haven't touched a soccer ball in like three or four years ever since I made that decision. And my life has been so much better because now all I do is the things that I actually love to do. But I have to give up the things that I
0: like to do every once in a while sacrifice man that's the word that comes to mind people forget that there's always a sacrifice in anything you want to do in life i have 10 rapid fire questions for you love it first thing that comes to mind what's your best business advice nobody knows what they're doing. (laughs) <laughs> oh that's good that's <laughs> so true people forget that I'm sure you get this all the time people like reach out and they want advice it's great I love it I love all that stuff but at the same time it's like man I'm just throwing spaghetti <laughs> like we all are I, I don't know the thoughts that go in your head I don't know your
1: constraints I don't tr- I'll don't. i truly never be you yeah. so I can give you principles sure. that are great but I can't tell you exactly how to do things
0: oh man that's good best marketing advice
1: this one, I could go a million different ways. But if you don't believe in yourself, nobody else will.
0: What's your favorite part about entrepreneurship?
1: It's done so much good for my life. The people. I, I've met some incredible people just because I've been willing to to get into this world. When are you the most productive? Some of these questions, I was like, well, what is? The, how do you define productive? I'd break it down into creatively, I'm the most productive in the morning. Physically, Meaning, like, if we're going to do, like, flying drones and things like that, I'm most productive more in the afternoon. Anything, like, action-oriented, I like the afternoon. But, yeah, it differs for me. Productivity is, is more of, like, how I break the different things that I do in my life down.
0: It's a valid point. I never thought about that. I'm probably the same mentally. I'm probably most in the morning, but physically probably the afternoon. Who is your inspiration? My wife, Aaron. Boom! Tell me one secret about you, or something just most people don't know about you. Most people don't know that I actually
1: it, like I have an autoimmune disease, and that like literally for a lot of my life I was shitting blood, and I've had three colonoscopies. And <laughs> how you doing yeah, now? A lot better. Yeah, I've I've learned uh, my whole life I was managing it, and then past couple years due to the wonderful people here, like I said in Austin, Texas, finding some some ways that I could potentially be in a long-term remission. Not a boy. What would you
0: change about yourself?
1: I'm learning to become more lighthearted, to lean more back into my child, inner child.
0: What's your favorite app or resource that you're using right now? I have three. Okay. Descript mm. for my podcast.
1: Same. Uh, the Hume <laughs> app to turn my sauna on from anywhere. And click up because yeah. that helps me stay organized in, in multiple different projects.
0: That's how I manage all my website projects. I've been thinking about using Notion, total side tangent. When were you the happiest? I'm happy every day. Love that. What's your favorite part about Austin and you can't see the people because that's what everybody says? I didn't come here because of the people. My favorite part about Austin is it's sunny 300 days of the year, (laughs) 300 plus days of the year.
1: Came for the weather. Yeah. I I came here for weather and opportunity and people are a byproduct of that.
0: So I have one more question for you. Uh, Before I ask that question though, I just want to acknowledge you, man, like for your tenacity, for your willingness to just like follow the things that you love, not just like for your commitment to the community, to producing amazing content, you push out a ton of content and it's all incredibly helpful and useful and people love it. And I know they do. And I follow you and it's amazing. And I know that you have a really good heart of service, man. You're truly trying to help people and people can feel that. And I just appreciate that. I appreciate you acknowledging that. And somebody, if somebody hears this on the other end, just
1: uh, remember that somebody lent a hand to you. I, I'm really good. I think at at reminding myself how many gifts I've been given even when on every, on on days when it feels like I have nothing, because we all have those days. But I mean, I've given, I've been given and gifted so many opportunities. I'm just trying to pay those back.
0: Same, man. I can't tell you the number of times in my life where somebody believed in me before I believed in myself. So before I ask my last question, though, what's your plug? Where can people find you? I would love for you, first and foremost, to go check out Corey's episode. On the Thrive and Life podcast,
1: literally just plug in Thrive on Life podcast, Corey Hibben, and then yeah, if that intrigues you to go do that, I would love for you to share his episode uh, since he's been so kind to let me come on here today, and then maybe listen to a couple other episodes. Other than that, I'm I'm really big on whatever you're working on. Reach out to me. How can I help? I, the the best plug I feel like in life is just shooting me a DM totally like let's let's
0: figure out how we can be valuable to each other and i'll put your info in the show notes in terms of instagram and all that stuff final question it's really your best piece of advice for really any entrepreneurs out there and so what i mean by that is that if you were to start over from ground zero of cj finley just starting out this entrepreneur endeavor getting into the world of business and entrepreneurship maybe it's a side hustle doing your own thing Whatever it is, what's maybe the best piece of advice that you could give to your former self or really anybody else in that position that would really just get them moving in the right direction? Takes a team. What I mean
1: by this is you will not get the best out of yourself if you don't hang around other people who A, want the best from themselves, or B, want the best from you. So I follow a a three-step process in, it's like triple A's: like awareness, action, accountability. Most people are aware of what their problems are, where they want to go in life, what they want. I would say most people know. Then there's another section of people that, like, they understand the actions they need to be taking. They're just like, eh, I'll wait for tomorrow. And then there's this third set of people who will invest time, money, and energy into holding themso- getting themselves held accountable. And that's where, like, Most people fall off the cliff. So the best advice I would have, especially going into a new year, is spend the dollar on the accountability section of that. So if you're aware of your goals and what you want from your life and you know some of the actions that you need to be taken, you need to either spend money on a group of people, spend money on a coach, invest in whatever you need to invest in to make sure that you're accountable to doing what you say because there's a whole bunch of talkers in the world and not a lot of doers. So if you really want to do something, the only difference is like, I invest a lot of time, money, and energy into almost forcing myself to show up because I spent
0: that dollar. (laughs) I'm not just blowing smug up your ass, CJ. That's probably one of the best pieces of advice that I think you could give anybody. It's the advice so many of us hear, but so few of us, actually execute on. And so just hearing you say that, I really hope somebody listening to the show actually does it. I appreciate that. And again, I'm,
1: I'm a product of just analyzing, and researching, start with the end in mind. So really big companies, if you're the CEO, you think you're in control, but you have a board that you, you go to all the time, whether you like it or not, they're going to be on you. So really just creating your own board of advisors that's another way of saying it, but I don't know who's, I don't know who necessarily is listening to this, so I wanted to break it down for even if you're in the corporate world, mm-hmm. action, awareness, account, awareness, action, accountability. Like, you can do that whether you're corporate or an entrepreneur. Uh, if you're an entrepreneur, it's really just creating your own board of advisors. Uh, forget who on my podcast literally mentioned, oh, Zach Prograb Behavior Hack. He's actually blowing up right now. He, he talks about creating your own board of advisors, but for me, I like to speak, speak to people in less of the entrepreneurial lingo and more of like, how do you be the best you and we all know that if you like again going back to the system if you had a test and you knew you were getting graded on it you probably studied a little bit harder than if it was like "Eh, this you can do this like extra credit how many people did extra credit Mm -hmm. not many but everybody that knew that they were going to get graded at least probably put a little bit of effort in so what does that look like in your life right now who can you hire or what can you invest in to hold yourself accountable Let's have more people hitting their goals and make this world a better place.
0: Thanks for being on the show, brother. Appreciate it. Love it. Thank you. Hey friend, thanks for listening to the show. And if you have any feedback for me about the show or any other guests that you'd want to see in the show, definitely shoot me a message. I love engaging with my audience and figuring out how I can provide the best value possible to the people listening to this show. Before you go, I only have one ask of you, and that would be to check on my Three Tips Tuesday newsletter. It's three marketing tips every Tuesday specifically for the health and fitness entrepreneur to help them attract new leads. If you press the link in the description, it'll take you directly to the archive of all my previous newsletters, and you can decide for yourself if it's something for you. If you end up finding it helpful, you can just sign up for the newsletter and you'll get It in your inbox every Tuesday. Thanks again and keep plus on, my friends.